The following episode of Days of Thunder is brought to you as part of the Pro Wrestling Only Podcast Network. Go to ProWrestlingOnly.com to enjoy other fine podcasts, as well as match reviews, book reviews, video game reviews, and of course our forums. Let's start the show. Hey there, Thunder buddies and travelers down Thunder Road. It is us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, appearing here as part of the PWO Podcast Network. I am your host, your Doc Brown, upon this mystical Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I am joined by my faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone, who must, in this analogy, be my Marty McFly. Uh, how are you, my friend? Can we not be Nick Gage and uh, Thomas Santel instead? I'm sure we'll get there eventually. <laughs> uh, I am good. How are you, pal? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Um, we're on a hot streak. This is our third straight week with an episode. Churning out that content, my friend. Talking to each other so much. Yeah, yeah. We're sick of each other. Uh, we're going we're to be spending like... We're spending practically a whole weekend with each other soon enough uh, as we reconvene for more wrestling. Oh well, I'm only going to one day. So. How are you? Uh, I'm 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 hardcore. I'm doing the double header. But um, this is our first episode since our our trip to Germany, where we uh, represented our podcast somewhat poorly uh, in terms of scores, but uh, brilliantly in terms of our sartorial choice. Um, <laughs> how how did you find our night dressing as the Thunder broadcast team for a bowling tournament? Incredibly warm. <laughs> Oh. It was so warm in that bowling alley, yeah. and us three goofs chose to warm, chose to wear more clothes instead yeah. of less. Like a lot of people, like there's people there in shorts and shirts and vests, but yeah. no, no, we put on fucking wigs and yeah. suit jackets and ties. Yeah. And I, I was already wearing like kind of dressy enough trousers that day so I didn't need to change trousers but there at the table I got into a dress shirt a tie and a jacket and when I had that on I was like okay like it's pretty warm but it was the moment that the wig was put on and sealed around my actual hairline Mm -hmm. that I just I can't remember who it was I turned to we were at kind of like it was a weird podcast summit uh, that we had accidentally found ourselves at. We were sitting at a table with, with Aaron Furious and with Ollie Court and Benno and the Ogdens and Alan Sheepshot. And like, it was a real, um, a, a real gathering, a, re- a real <laughs> motley crew of podcasters, a murderer's row, if you will. Uh, I don't know. I think it was one of the Ogdens I turned around to within about a half second of putting the wig on. I said, this was a mistake. <laughs> And, yeah, and then people saw us, obviously. 
Yeah, and you you will attest, and we did we 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 popped the boys for want of a better term. People mm-hmm. did enjoy the costume. I was getting uh, several compliments on our commitment to the bit for the night, which is all I really wanted. Well, I um, mean, yours was just a wig. I had to grow a fucking mustache. You had to grow the mustache, in fairness, and you kept it on until later that night. Uh, in fairness, I did I did think you were going to sneak off to the bathroom and shave it <laughs> off in the bowling alley once we were done and you will attest to uh, Lee that I I did not for one single second take off the jacket or the wig until the medals were already presented because I don't break kayfabe god damn it is that a shot on me for taking off the jacket for 10 seconds you're damn right it is (laughs) 10 seconds Ten seconds cost us a best dressed award that didn't actually exist as it turned it as it turned out. Yeah, and we're gonna have to get onto the series about that because yeah, yeah. retroactively we deserve an award. Shocking display, that's for it sure. Is, it really is. Um, but yeah, how, how was the weekend other than that? Did you enjoy yourself? Good times. I think we had some great times, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I mean, the, the wrestling was so so, but I mean, yeah, the, I think- the company was great. Yeah, yeah, we we had a good time, and you may have seen in your podcast feeds that uh, we recorded a special episode with a friend of the show, Bo's Johnny, talking about the career of Eddie Guerrero, and it bowled me over that I did not realise that we ended up releasing it on the week of his birthday. Um, I figured it out on the day of his birthday, during the week, while I was oh, in yeah. the middle of editing it, and I was like, oh, fuck, right, so I better finish this and send it off really quick. Um, so by the time it got up on the, the podcast tubes it was the day after his birthday mm-hmm. but still like I think that was pretty incredible accidental timing for us and um, yeah we've been inundated with um, well one listens we're really happy uh, with mm-hmm. with uh, all the people that have been listening to it and we've we've picked up some new Thunder Buddies on the tweet machine and stuff this week um, so happy to see uh, an increase in the Thunder Buddies but more so than anything um, I'm really happy that uh, this new format seems to have been received positively and we've had a, a couple of our, our dear friends get in touch with us about, oh, I'd love to do this, that and the other. So uh, can't really talk too much about, you know, when and where the next episodes will be dropping because we're not going to do them. It's not going to be like every second episode is a pick your poison, but uh we've definitely got some ideas and uh, a fictional guest list in our heads, I think. Oh, for sure. Now, if Tony Khan is listening and wants to pay us to do it every week. Oh, look, if Big Tone wants, like, we're we're willing to be co-opted at the drop of a hat, like. <laughs> Any company, really. I, I will always say, Leo, I have a lot of things, but morals are not one of them. Oh, yeah, very I'll low do, moral standards. for that, that, that sweet, sweet coin. <laughs> um, um, yeah, no, it, Pick Your Poison will for sure be back. We're just not entirely sure when. Yeah, we we just got to pick our time, and obviously with the two of us, um, uh, particularly in my case, anyway, I can't speak on behalf of Lee, but like this time of year is pretty busy for work with me, and I don't want to load too much on my plate. I want to keep to make sure that we get our regular episodes of Days of Thunder out every two mm-hmm. weeks, and I think if I load myself with too much at this time of year, especially with my other podcast linked to the cast as well, that I, like I don't want to. Um, I don't want to start slacking and missing weeks. Um, so if it means we only get one or maybe not even any done this side of Christmas or or what, we'll we'll see. We'll definitely we won't whiff at an opportunity to do one um if, if an opportunity presents itself, but uh don't think there's just gonna be one down the pipes next week either. Yeah, now we will say we do have one semi lined up for maybe just not too long after the new year. 
yeah we i i think we have a pretty firm idea as to yeah. who our next two episodes will be it's just a matter of exactly when those will happen yeah. um and then a kind of like a hypothetical wish list in the back of our head mm. for maybe another five or six after that i think um lee before we get into our our regular drillers here our, our, our routine uh uh, it would be remiss of us not to address a news that broke as I was setting up my equipment this evening. Easy come, easy go. Easy E is gone from SmackDown already. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I think we said it. Well, I said it before we started recording. It feels like it was only about three or four episodes ago that we were talking about him coming back, and now here we are. What three weeks into the Fox run or the SmackDown run yeah. on Fox, and he is gone. Yeah, yeah. It's I not. We, it's it, it's not even. They haven't even had three episodes on Fox yet, have they? They only had two. Oh, that's right. They've only had the two. Yeah. So this is the third week. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's the I third. Mean, look, it's the third week of the quote unquote wars, but it's the. It's only we've only had two episodes of the new SmackDown so far. Um, a, a lot of people said it was only to get them set up on Fox, and when the ratings came in as disappointing, he was going to be the one to go, and that's exactly what's happened. Yeah, it, it seems very much like he was to be the buffer for the Fox execs. And from what a lot of people have said, within a couple of weeks of him showing up in WWE again, Bruce Pritchard was pretty much running the show on SmackDown. Um, and that seems to be what's happening now. He the WWE released a, a statement not confirming that Bischoff was out of the company. It was a later confirmation that he's out of the company altogether, mm-hmm. but a statement saying that Bruce Pritchard has replaced him as the executive director or whatever the position is of SmackDown, basically SmackDown's head writer. Um, yeah. Um, not, not entirely stunning, uh, as we've said. Um, no, no, he, we, we knew he wasn't going to be long for that world. He was brought in there for ulterior motives. Now, I, I would have expected he'd probably last a little bit longer. Um, but uh, as kind of you know talking heads have been saying on Twitter today like there is kind of I think this was a rover thing so I don't want to take the credit uh, you know uh, for this thought but like there are the, the the kind of ruminations of good ideas still rattling around in that brain and Bischoff but like it doesn't seem like anyone would willingly take a risk on it anymore he's kind of he seems to be shot as a um as somebody to put in this kind of role now in wrestling um and you know much as people you know will go ah easy what a conner as to the end like the thing you got to remember at the end of the day is this dude like filed bankruptcy like a couple of months before he got this job and was basically forced to move all the way across the country for this job so uh hopefully he got a nice severance package yeah, I'm. I'm hoping they looked after him, like especially especially with the move because um, he was moving from was it Arizona he was in moving to Connecticut, uh, Wyoming, I think. Wyoming, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I hope he was looked after. Like, I'm, you don't want to hear about anyone filing for bankruptcy. But I mean, I'd never say never. I don't think we've seen the last of Bischoff in the wrestling business. Yeah, if it's anything like last time, he'll um. He'll spend a few years trying to get various TV projects possibly involving Hulk Hogan off the ground and then (laughs) show up somewhere else. I still think there's juice to be wrung from the idea of Eric Bischoff, the on-screen character, even if you don't give him an executive role. Um, Because I've always, I think I've said on the program before, I've always been a huge fan of the Eric Bischoff GM character from the the Ron 2000s. He he wouldn't even have to be featured every week, even like if he was just... The, like the authority figure that showed up every now and again 
kind of they, like the old commissioners used to be in the in the WWF. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I mean, I don't mean like even like a Jack Tony figure that was kind of too rare. But like, yeah, uh, maybe maybe like a, a Slaughter or a Shawn Michaels. Yeah, exactly that that kind of thing. Like if he shows up once every two months, yeah. like this is a guy that can competently hit a line, get across the points, get in, get out, done, and not be yeah. Johnny Saint basically. Yeah. Um. Right. With that said, uh, let's get in the wayback machine. Speaking of Doc Brown from earlier in the program. Uh, and go talk about our episode of Thunder. But first, uh, Lee, I am not. I, I am not being joined by you in an adult beverage tonight, uh, as you are at the end of your tether, energy-wise, before work. So th- this is understood. But I will still take up the gauntlet of having an alcoholic beverage this week. Uh, and I took to Twitter before we record, and this might be something I do on and off in the future. I'd kind of restocked on a few beers. Uh, and was unsure of which one to start with first as my accompaniment to uh, Thunder episode 16. Uh, And thanks to uh, Mark Doyle on Twitter, uh, user, I think he's at rated MKD. And the only reason I'm able to get, I'm able to pull this off the top of my head is that I actually know him. (laughs) (laughs) A uh, certified good lad and friend of the show, I think it's fair to say is Mark and uh, he suggested this one in my picture of six options that I gave and it's the Journeyman Master Cooper India Pale Lager uh, which I picked up during the week and uh, let me tell I, you go I was just going to say I actually think I had this one the week early, early in the run Ooh. Uh, I'll be adding it to the untapped app anyway. I needed a beer this week to actually watch my thunder, so I'm going to be filling the ratings on that thing before long, I imagine. (laughs) Oh, we should uh, say I I am on untapped now. I don't know know if we said that when we were in Oberhausen. We could have, who knows. The whole thing is a fever dream at this stage. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yeah, no, I am on untapped. I haven't been using it, obviously, because I haven't been drinking that much. But when I do, I will update on untapped. Oh yeah, that's quite nice. Yeah, I like that. Uh, kind of <laughs> reminds me of that. Uh, what's that Polish one? Is it Tiski? Ah, yes, Tyski. Yeah, Tyski. Yes, it reminds me of that. A little Which bit stronger. Isn't bad. Yeah, it's not yeah. bad. It's good. This 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 is coincidental that I have a lovely, nice, cold, full, large bottle of beer this week because we got our central heating back working. Uh, the pump <laughs> had been broken, and I am currently my office is the smallest room in the house, so I am fucking melting already. Um, so this beer will not, uh, there will not be a drop of this left by the end of the program. I can assure you of that, sir. Um, anyway, Thunder episode sixteen, back after a two week hiatus. Um, May fourteenth, nineteen ninety eight, from Durham, New Hampshire. Um, our our cold open here. Uh, Jesus Lee, this was like. Do you remember we we joked at the start of doing this, like how quickly are we going to get to the stage where Thunder will start, and it'll be a long time before we figure out what's going on on the mm-hmm. program. This was the week for me. Um, I, now I, I, I mean, I think we said at last on the last main show episode that with the two weeks off, God knows what we're going to come back to. Yeah, and I really I, don't think and either of us anticipated that the opening shot on thunder two weeks later was going to be this yeah now i like i i do appreciate that we have missed two nitros you know um but that being said (laughs) still a more kind of context heavy recap would have been welcome i think um 
So, yeah, we have Giant coming out in some sort of chaotic main event from Nitro, uh, conferring with Hogan and Sting watching on sad in the rafters, to which I had written in my nose, what the fuck was that? Um, well, see, you forgot the most important part. Giant comes out in an NWO shirt. Yes, yes. And so, so it appears... Hogan. Yeah, and it appears that in this two-week interim period we have formally split the nwo so this is the start of the proper factoring of the nwo because it's the first time i have noted the use of the phrases nwo hollywood and nwo wolfpack on this show yeah uh, I, I believe now we've uh, on, yeah. one, they, they refer at one point to nwo hollywood hogan which is obviously they're kind of mm. working out the name or whatever yeah um, but you can actually see like in the two weeks that thunder ha- obviously hasn't been on that Nash and Savage are now fully aligned, wearing the red and black. Yeah. And there's actually they haven't got black. the full they haven't got the full red and black NWO t-shirts yet, have they? Though oh, they're in they're in the crowd. There's a couple of them. Oh, were they in the crowd? Yeah, I didn't notice them. So they have them. They're just not wearing them themselves mm-hmm. on this show. And um, um, now, now it's the it's the black t-shirt with the red NWO logo. Yeah, yeah. but it's it there there you know. Cool. Um, so yeah that seems to be what's happening as I said we're back from a two week hiatus and immediately into the go home show for Slambury uh, and I know probably you were the same as me we were like oh fuck our next episode is a pay-per-view <laughs> um, Jesus like it really because it has only been two episodes since our last one and that such is the 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 pitfalls of being on Thunder Road here um, so we, we go to the lads at the start. The Giant appears to be aligned with the Hogan NWO faction ahead of him and Sting versus the Outsiders on Sunday. Uh, they tell us that we will have Sting versus Randy Savage tonight and Savage versus Bret Hart on Sunday with Piper as ref. And something that kept getting mentioned on this show, Lee, that I found astonishing to believe is that there had never been a Savage versus Bret singles match. Yeah, but it's kind of crazy to think about. But when you when you actually sit back and think about it, Savage retired, well, you know, was retired in the WWE, RWF in 92 after yeah. the whole Jake thing, wasn't it? Or, um, Warrior, the Warrior match was 92, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, then he came back, had the match of Flair and stuff, and but he was he didn't really wrestle that much when Hart was a top line guy. Savage mm. was, and like, they were both always faces, so I can kind of. I'm kind of not surprised it never happened either. But, like, the fact, like, I mean, maybe it did happen when, you know, Brett was coming up as, you know, a tag team guy. Maybe they had a one-off house show or something like that. But, yeah, I mean, as a big pay-per-view match, it's a pretty it's a pretty good pull for WCW. Yeah, when, when you reason out like that, I suppose it's one of those things that it just because they were on the, they had that considerable crossover it, it, elsewhere that you would have imagined it just by law of averages it would have happened now but um i suppose the more you think about it and the more you think as well that like this was back in the period before kind Multi-pay of pay-per-views and stuff but like yeah that. Bef- before the the schedule was so huge that um you were burning through every feud and every possible iteration mm. and combination of matches on your roster um but yeah, wild. And and for some reason, he, as if the um, Savage versus Brett of it all wasn't to be enough of a spectacle, enough of a draw as a first-time match happening on pay-per-view, they seem to have inexplicably added Piper as this guest referee for that match for Sunday. So, okay. 
So um, it's um, a Wolfpack guy against an NWO kind of guy, a mm. WCW aligned referee. Yeah. Try and work that out. <laughs> um, our first promo segment of the evening is a remote interview with Mondo Guerrero. Um, and let me tell you, Lee, the Guerrero family, we talked a lot about Eddie, obviously, on our Pick Your Poison last week, but what a family of workers. <laughs> <laughs> They'll always get a payday with the Guerreros. So Mondo, who is um, Eddie's older brother, uh, does a little interview here, a little sit-down interview, presumably from home, saying that uh, even before all this feud between Chavo and Eddie, he's explaining that like the burden of being a third-generation wrestler in the family uh, was absolutely huge, and says, speaking as the, the older brother of Eddie, that uh, this feud between the two of them is tearing the family apart. So I I, I quite, you know, it was not in special. It wasn't like he was uh, bringing people into the building for a match on Sunday sort of level promo, but I liked this nice little, you know, because y- you hear in these kind of family feuds and stuff like this sometime or when there's strife in a relationship, hear about, you know, there's offhanded reference to all oh, this must have an effect on the family. But actually seeing a family member who can come in and cut a half decent interview about it is uh, is a pretty cool little touch, I think. Yeah, it's putting a bit of meat on the bone and like letting you see that the family are actually, you know, invested in this and it is kind of tearing them apart and putting the void in the family. Um, like Mondo mentions Eddie's mother being like just torn up about this and then we actually get a good callback from WCW of Eddie into the camera I think it was at the pay-per-view saying mom I'm trying you yeah. know and it's just like like you say it's not mind-blowing it's not something you're ever going to remember after you watch it but it does add like it builds up and they are building to this eventual payoff yeah it's just good storytelling at the end of the day um Colouring in those things. And I will say as well, um, not to slam Javo too much, but like this 90 seconds, two minutes with Mondo has sold me more into this feud than anything Chavo himself has done, I think. Yeah, I mean, we are, we've said it a few times. Chavo was way fucking overstepped at this point. Mm, for sure. Uh, we go into our first contest of the evening and it's Chavo versus Reese. Uh, Eddie said he's been asked by the family to go easy on him and so here comes this huge goof from the flock basically <laughs> um, I, believe, I believe Eddie said it's a guy with a similar size um, yeah. similar speed similar experience level uh, yeah similar wrestling ability or something like that was yeah. a line at one point that I, I, I cackled at that one uh, what a low key burial that was um, yeah a really simple little guy versus a giant thing trying to do should be the easiest thing in the world for both of these guys to do it's still quite dull Chavo trying the hit and run like hit Reese quick run away hit him again so that the big lumbering dummy can't get his hands on him seems to be going quite well for Chavo for a few seconds and then he gets to the top rope Eddie runs up and distracts him and Reese catches him in the vintage you're a big guy that we can't trust to drop people the uh, two-handed choke slam the neck-hanging tree slam the, the great Kali slam whatever you want to fucking call it uh, and wins um, really not much to this match nah I mean you basically ran through it all it, it was just to get to the distraction finish and then um, 
build up to Ultimo or Ultimo Dragon. I keep saying, going to say Ultimo Guerrero. Uh, <laughs> Ultimo Dragon against Eddie on Sunday at the pay per view, yeah. and if Dragon wins, Chavo is free. Yeah, and here's the thing: because we've been two weeks without Thunder, I was utterly baffled for a couple of seconds as to why Ultimo Dragon was here. Uh, Marshall mentions that uh, Ultimo had been siding with Chavo. Yeah. That, yeah, that's where I started. Like, as soon as it cuts to him, I'm like, what? But then thankfully, yes. Uh, I think the by and large, the announcers were doing a hell of a shift this evening, uh, trying to add some sort of context and understanding mm-hmm. for people who may have missed some shows. Um, but yeah, Ultimate Dragon is here and uh, he catches Eddie in the Dragon Sleeper, which is... Uh, God, I love the dragon sleeper. Oh, do you know what? I have the same thing. It's just such an underrated move and nobody does it anymore. Yeah, it's, such it's a great. So much to bring it back. Well, I mean, um, Sonata does it and I mean, he's great, so. Oh, for God's sake. You have to you have to do, do your heel shtick on here, do you? <laughs> he, he is great. Ugh. Ugh. WCW Saturday Night Tease. Uh, we're being told that we'll have Hacksaw Jim Duggan in action, Chavo versus Finlay and Yuji Nagata versus Goldberg. Um, you know, not a, not a bad lineup for Saturday night. It's not the worst one we've seen, that's for sure. I mean, Jim um, Duggan in action, that's enough for nobody to tune in. Uh, one of many uh, frenetic kind of uh, cuts to something that happened on Nitro as a concession man lays out the flocks with, drink, with drinks and a chair. I didn't re-watch this because I wanted to try and guess on one very quick... Uh, cutscene here was this canyon it was canyon yeah i got got it straight away as well yeah i was pretty sure it was um but it was kind of a thing where if it showed his face clearly i obviously wasn't looking at the screen in that moment um i kind of assumed by his build and his hair it must have been him and by the lack of mortis of late (laughs) um so yeah excited to see more more canyon uh on the program Love the man. Um, um, I mean, there's recurring flock drama throughout this show. This is really the flocks show. Yeah, and that, I mean that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's also not really a good thing either. No, because <laughs> this is like, look, we're we're just gonna take the sting out of this right now. This is a bad show. Yeah, and by that he means thunder, not just this podcast. <laughs> but yeah, there seems to potato be- potato. There, there seems to have been drama between Saturn and Hammer over a loser leaving the flock. or there, There's basically a lot of flock drama and we don't really get a proper explanation as to why all these randomers keep showing up and people seem to be getting kicked out here and there. It, yeah. It's just very badly explained. It's just that the flock don't seem to like each other at the moment. Yeah, it's weird. It seems to be like, un, unlike... Um the NWO family drama that's going on over like an internal power struggle and has been you know for better or worse going on for quite some time this flock drama appears to have come out of nowhere and be entirely of their own creation um so yeah it's a, it's an odd one all right um tony said that as a result of these attacks uh he's insisting on having the flock around him at all times and there's more on his new uh his new detail later in the show, he challenge he has challenged DDP to a Bowery death match, which is essentially the WCW cage with a roof uh, with weapons inside in it. Um, did, did they say there'd be weapons inside? Uh, 
I think Lee Marshall said something about that, yes. Okay, right. Um, I believe I, I, so. I did love that the segment ended with Heenan just burying the Bowery as a shithole for about yeah, two yeah. minutes. <laughs> yeah. You ever been to the Bowery? <laughs> yeah, it's good. Uh, we go from one flashback into a video package, the Raven DDP video package, which recap the whole Horace Boulder saga and a wild backstage brawl from, I think, Nitro this week, but sometime in the last two weeks anyway, uh, involving Paige running in with a stop sign and just bonking people in the head of it. And he suddenly has a, a new thing to his gimmick, which is carrying a bull rope with a cowbell on it. As if it wasn't already silly enough hearing the dunk dunk of the cowbell when he's throwing it around. Um, and that segment from Nitro ended with him basically trying to hang Raven over the top rope, which is like, I guess, a, a cool, if incredibly grim visual. Um uh, of the the 90s excess in violence it's funny because and it will come up in another match um we watch on this episode that that it called my mind back to this but funnily enough uh last weekend because we've been talking about it on and off in germany i rewatched the rise and fall of ecw oh very good yeah and just the the visual of raven um being hung over the top rope here just reminded me very much of raven crucifying sandman, sandman yeah uh, on the famous show where they had basically got Kurt Angle to agree in principle to join ECW and he was so disgusted by the the crucifixion angle that he walked out on, on ECW. But, but, but that was uh, Raven's famous non-apology. Yeah, yeah. Where that was, I think he may have been the progenitor of the I'm sorry if I offended you, but I'm not sorry, sorry yeah, apology. Um, yeah. Uh, he kind of they they show on that documentary they show the apology in full and he was kind of saying that Paul Heyman and Todd Gordon had told him that some people were upset and if I've offended you I'm upset and you know he goes one step further where at least he goes look when I had personal issues you respected me so I'm going to respect your personal beliefs that's a little bit further than the non-apologies of today but uh, yeah it's still a fairly pansy ass but uh, mm-hmm. yeah this this hanging over the rope reminded me very much of it. it's not surprising that Raven is the commonality between those two visuals yeah um, um, what what do you think of DDP is more cowbell gimmick now it's weird because like even you know the like the the SNL skit with, with Will Ferrell mm-hmm. doing the cowbell like he's got some wild and crazy hair not a million miles dissimilar from pages <laughs> yeah so like I like the I like the idea of him with like the hangman's rope, but the cowbell, like yeah. and the noise of it is just like it undercuts it with just an incredible bit of silliness, and that may be just because we're looking back at it in a post we need more cowbell sketch world, possibly. But I mean, it's the first thing I thought of just because as they're brawling, all you hear is the the clang of the bell, yeah. constantly. Yeah, it is a little bit too silly. Um, so we, we see as well that JJ, a segment involving JJ and Raven talking to Gene, where JJ said that because by technicality it is now uh, an unsafe working environment for Raven, at WCW's expense, Raven will now have uh, four riot police around him at all times protecting him. Um, and like I assumed like immediately the first time the riot police came out one of them was just going to be ddp oh yeah i I was waiting for it to happen yeah because there are there is a segment where i think there's two segments where or there's a segment where they show up and a segment where they're referenced on thunder mm-hmm. and i was just i was certain that it was going to happen but maybe maybe 
Um, it still will at some stage. Did, did you see the look on me and Jean's face when uh, Dylan mentions it? It's an unsafe working environment. Yeah, he's like, oh, and come he, on. He's disgusted, like. <laughs> Yeah, he is. And, oh, and the mere mention of an annoyed. the mere mention of an attorney as well, he's just like, "Oh, come on!" He probably game. remembers like the last two months of people being fined and moves being banned. He's like, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" I, I do like the little progression of Raven, this fucking outcast dirtbag from the Bowery, has an attorney. Yeah, I I kind of like that element of it because mm-hmm. it's like, what a shit heap yeah. of a heel. You know, the guy who's just, like, will find any way to, like, weasel out of, uh, like, Paige having a fair fight with him. It's, and it's I mean, great. Of course, knowing where this ends up and the backstory of Raven, yeah. this is all just kind of building to it. And, like, the mention of his mom and his sister a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago, like, th- this is nice little storytelling. Yeah. It's got to be said that, like, even though, you know, if you only ever watched his WWF run, you'd probably have one sort of opinion on Raven. Um, <laughs> and I couldn't dissuade you from that because it was a largely a poor run. I can't, I can't help said. but think of Raven in the WWF with the famous Vince McMahon quote of, who the fuck hired Raven? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, you want to talk about guys who had such a mind for the business. Mm-hmm. Um, like... That man was like, you know, you may not have liked everything he did in the 90s, but the stuff he had input on and the way he crafted his character and understood his own character was on a level that I don't think a lot of people had in the 90s, you know, because they they were still, especially like up until kind of probably till 99, 2000 kind of time. Um, with the exception of maybe Steve Austin, like people were very cut and dry. They were good or they were bad. There was no real nuance to it. And Raven, while a heel, still had a lot of nuance and sympathy to his character mm-hmm. that I, I very much appreciated the craft of. Like a lot of people connected to him, and there was mm-hmm. a reason for that. Yeah, for sure. Like you say, well, he wasn't just a black and white character. There was a lot of shades of grey in him. Yeah, and and his use of like comic book or grunge rock mm-hmm. iconography and and stuff like that was very ahead of its time, I think. Um, but anyway, uh, where are we now? Uh, Raven, Raven is out. Yes, yeah. so Raven is out with his security guards and he's calling out DDP, and out he comes through the crowd with his bull rope, clonk clonk clonk. <laughs> uh, he jumps over the guards to get to Raven, which is a cool, like very reminiscent of um. Austin over the security team. Yes. Yeah. Um, which would have been like a month or two previous to this. Because uh, it was on the run up to WrestleMania 14, which was the previous month. Was it on? No, it was WrestleMania 15, wasn't it? No, because it was in the. Was it not in the build up to Sean and. Oh, I think it was after that. Because was it not. I th- was when... it not when. Uh, Vince had stripped Austin of the title and he was setting up the Kane Undertaker match with Austin as the ref. Oh, it could have been. I'm pretty sure that's what that because the the belt was in the uh, presentation case. Yes, and yes, it, yes. And it was the old belt. It was the Winged Eagle. It was. It was. Um, so it was a couple of months ahead of Austin. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, fair enough. They actually WCW got to the got 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 to this one first. I think it's just my my habitual assumption that WCW just ripped them off. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, so <laughs> immediately after he jumps over the security guard, anyway, the security guards just baton charge <laughs> DDP and beat the <laughs> shite out of him. Which one they them, should, like, you one know. One of them catches him real snug in the ribs with the, the end of the truncheon, which I thought was a bit bit much. I kind of hope one of them was Ray Trailer. Yeah. Well, I'm sure, like, being a corrections officer, it's right up his, you know, he'd get a double dip on the paychecks. And Why plus, not? then he could, you know, get on to McMahon on the phone and go, I have an idea for a big boss man yeah. return. T- Team Beefy Da has to bring home the paychecks at the end of the day, <laughs> put, put meat on the table, you know? Um... We have then a flashback to Brett. Oh, well, you, you forgot that uh, the segment ends with Raven hanging DDP. Yeah, so he yeah. gets his payback and, and hangs mm-hmm. DDP over the ropes, yeah. Uh, and then we get a flashback to a very poor moment for a young Brettley Hart, um, just cutting a horrendous promo, uh, as he is wont to do, talking about how Savage hasn't the guts to beat him, and has a weird line in there about how Savage is half troll, half lizard. I have this written down, and I have Marlboro Hart. Ugh. Half yeah. troll, half lizard. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. God, I, I am really... sick of Bret Hart already. Like, you know, and again, right, not, uh, not for the first and not for the last time in this show, just because of the, the recency bias of having watched over the weekend uh, from the rise and fall of ECW, the, the Paul Heyman philosophy of accentuate the positives and hide the negatives. Like, this guy should just be wrestling and never talk. Yeah. At this point, like, or just, like, like, just make him a pro Canada heel, like, yeah, just fucking I, yeah. copy what he did. Well, this is the thing. I think we can probably all conclude now that ninety-seven Bret Hart heel Bret Hart is an aberration, and for pretty much the entire rest of his career, absolutely stunk out any microphone he he laid yeah. his hands on. Um, Jesus Christ, like you know, not that I would have had this much that much interest in bitter fucking showing up in ha- like in second gear Bret Hart wrestling either mm-hmm. at this point but Jesus it'd be a damn sight better than these promos like, like uh, I, I know people said retrospectively like years later that the screw job kind of it kind of broke Bret's heart more than anything else yeah but I mean us watching this I think it's pretty obvious that Bret's just fucking he's done with the business like he's still there physically but it, <laughs> Like, everything, he just gives off vibes of, yeah, whatever the fuck, I don't care. I'm here to collect my money and go home. Yeah. Um, just, it, it, it is kind of like, it, it is just sad to see, uh, like, a great of this era um, just being reduced to not giving a fuck so quickly. You know, when I think a, lo- a lot of other people might have had the bit between their teeth to, like, I am going to make sure that WWF is buried as the number two by being the best fucking wrestler in the world. Um, just doesn't seem to have it in him anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony announces that at the pay per view we'll have Goldberg versus the entire flock in a gauntlet match, which should be fun. I'd say this uh, is going to be great. <laughs> yeah, and in uh, the shocker of all announcements for tonight, he said that we're going to have the Outsiders, meaning Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, versus the Public Enemy, who still gainfully employed at this point. Um. And they asked then, but what about Sting and Giant? What is their fate as partners? Then we have... Hang, hang on. I, like you like you saying, the public enemy are still gainfully employed. Wasn't the whole thing that ECW were trying to build to the public enemy coming back to face the Dudleys at the pay-per-view? The first pay-per-view? The first, the first pay-per-view was the previous year, though. 
Oh, that was 97. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, Barely Legal was 97. Yes. Okay. Because they, tri- they tried to get on at the end of 96, but it was, was it the mass transit incident yeah, that, that, that got them yeah, removed? Delayed. Yeah, no, I was, yeah. I'm, I'm confused my years. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Again, I'd probably be right there with you had I not just watched the thing. <laughs> I'm making it seem like I know a lot more than I do right now. Um, but yeah, then we have the... Uh, match number two a, of the night. <laughs> well, yeah, match number two of the night. We have uh, Chaos, accompanied by Rage, who you may or probably may not know as the team of High Voltage, versus the new TV champ, Finlay. Um both happy for young fit finley here well not young but uh happy for fit finley here but sad that uh booker is no longer our tv champ and there's very little mention of booker as tv champ it's just finley comes out with the belt and like it's like oh finley and benoit at the pay-per-view benoit beat booker on nitro to get a shot and that that's basically it that's all they say yeah that's that booker's gone now he's been dead for 10 years um (laughs) Fit Finley now has the more kind of, I think, mo- lo- more closer to the look modern fans would, would remember. The green and black singlet, mm-hmm. the uh, the moustache is gone. And he's got the short, blonde, dyed, spiky hair. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a dull squash match, though, yeah. uh, due in no small part to his dancing partner here. One Chaos, spelled K-A-O-S. Uh, are you much of a connoisseur of high voltage, my friend? No. <laughs> No, um, no. I can't recall any tag matches of theirs I've seen, but yeah. I do know yeah. that one of them was a tag team champion with Rick Steiner. Yeah, I I saw the Chiron come up and it said Chaos, and I said who? And then I read it said with Rage, and I said who? And then I googled <laughs> them, and it said they were a team called High Voltage, and I said who? But apparently their full names are is it Kenny Chaos and Robbie Rage? That that was their names, yes. Kenny Chaos, Robbie which Rage. are the most fucking like mid generic yeah. streets of rage rip off game characters you've ever seen. Saturday morning cartoon bollocks. Um, the, yeah, it's a it's a really dull match, and uh, Finley just beats him with a tombstone. Um, do you think the lads were on the gas? I I think possibly there may have been it's either that or they were smuggling some balloons in their singlets to uh, <laughs> look so puffed up um, I'm not one to cast aspersions but they were they were certainly quite swole and I can tell you they're really fucking bad at wrestling <laughs> oh my god and this is tragically not the last we would see of high voltage this evening which is amazing this, <laughs> I, 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 you know I, I, look we'll talk about it later we'll talk about it later right <laughs> I just don't want to get into it right now. Uh, we had a replay of the this segment from a couple of weeks ago of Savage saying Brett is top of his intergalactic hit list. Mm-hmm. This leads into Sick Boy versus Goldberg. So they're already doing Goldberg versus the flock in a gauntlet on Sunday. This, so this is I, a taster. Yeah, I'm, I'm unsure, short of like, we, we all know what's going to happen. So I suppose it's not exactly spoiling anything. Um... So they say Goldberg is currently 83-0. We're going to be running up that score over the next few episodes. Um, Sick Boy takes Goldberg down and appears to massage him. Um, <laughs> he's like doing the, the kind of nerve pinch on the traps, but yeah. like it looks as gentle. And to be fair, if I was wrestling Goldberg, I would not want to accidentally hurt him. Yeah, no, the fucking nerve hold. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like When, you're, when look- you're doing a nerve hold in a four minute match, what the fuck are you doing? 
Yeah, and look, we slag off how um, kind of sloppy Kidman is or about how whiny Raven can be sometime, but we don't really get to talk often uh, about the other members of the flock and Jesus H. Fuck mother in Christ was sick boy's offense horrible. <laughs> yeah, it... I think there's a reason they most of them just kind of stuck to interference in matches and then once the flock yeah. was finished they were gone yeah uh, now not that obviously Goldberg not the greatest at this point in his career at selling um, but Jesus he just looked shitty um, I, I, think, Gold- I think we've kind of skipped over the most important part of this match yeah go for it this was the first time in our run that we've seen the authentic Goldberg entrance yes the, the full kit and caboodle. Mm-hmm. He stands in the pyro, does the fucking spit and the, you know, the full Goldberg, basically. Well, the one thing we're missing, they didn't show him coming out of the locker room, did they? Oh, no. I think he only does that after he wins the big the matches. Yeah. I yeah, think, yeah. I think that's after he wins the world title. Yeah. So it's nearly, like, it, it is 98% of the way to the mm-hmm. finished Goldberg package at this point. Um, He hits a press slam, which is impressive because Sick Boy is a big boy. Um, And then... The goddamn single worst bump for a spear in this entire run of this podcast, yep. Lee. I, I, we, we, our, our ranking of spears and racks fell by the wayside some time ago because we're lazy sacks of shit. <laughs> but I can tell you, if I updated those ranks rock bottom, what the fuck was this? It was awful. And even a setup for it was like, he throws them into the ropes and just kind of, stat- oh, just fucking that's bad. Like, it's like he doesn't even know that Goldberg does the spear yeah. and he's caught unawares by it. It's like, what are you doing, mate? It's a shoot spear. <laughs> For fuck's sake. I, 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 like, I wish it was a shoot spear because then it would look good. And like, do you know, we had, I can't remember, who, oh, it was Mongo that was like a like a giant redwood falling oh, yeah. over. He, like he, stiff he, as a board he, he went down. timber, yeah. This was like if someone fell into a Jenga tower. <laughs> Where it's like, it's all just flailing and falling over in segments. It's, it's, oh, God, it looked shite. Yeah. Um, and we should say that ba- Goldberg basically spends the match focused on Reese. So I'm guessing yeah. the big pop at the pay-per-view is getting Reese up for the jackhammer. You would imagine so. Yeah. Um, Riggs attempts to jump him after the bell. Goldberg easily swats him off. And there's a weird kind of standoff. With the flock, where the flock are thinking about coming in. Goldberg's thinking about, like, laying out Sick Boy some more. Um, and it's just, it's just kind of weirdness. I think they're expecting him to do a spot, and he either doesn't or forgets. No, do um, he, he does the the Fiend neck snap on Riggs. You know the thing that, 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 that the Fiend did the, the Finn Balor Devastating maneuver, yes. You know, that, that killed him and sent him to NXT. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Goldberg, Goldberg basically does that, and the camera just kind of Jesus. zooms out and segment ends. Jesus Christ, I did miss that. Yeah, um, I, right. I laughed. <laughs> Lee, there's a lot of feuds in wrestling. Going on to our next segment, there's a lot of feuds in wrestling that people have slagged over the years for having a real tenuous pretext for why these two are feuding. I think the infamous one is the uh the 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 Kane Jericho you think this is about coffee. Mm-hmm. Um feud. Don't forget the Chris Jericho Triple H one over, you know, the dog leading up to WrestleMania. Yes, yes. Um Perry Saturn and Glacier are currently uh, in a feud 
over the use of the standing sidekick. AKA the super kick. AKA the cryonic kick. The cryonic kick. I'll have you know. Fucking what Um, what an awful name. Perry Saturn cuts a backstage interview promo. (laughs) Hang on, hang on. This is great. Saturn's bit of this is fucking great. Yeah, yeah. Saturn's bit is great because, like, apparently this feud is all in Glacier's head. And (laughs) Perry Saturn is mainly just confused. And he's just like, basically the tone of the interview. I don't have it written down. I'm not going to recreate it like the Buff interview from a few weeks ago. But the, the tone of the interview is... It's a fucking sidekick, mate. Get up. I'll do it if I want to, you big prick. Fuck off. Do you know what? I got a fucking a feeling of, you know, like Roy Keane of Saturn. He's just like, would you ever? Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. I'm going to do yeah. this. You can take that standard sidekick and shove it up your bollocks. Yeah, you're not going to stop me. Everyone yeah. else is going to do it as well. You didn't invent the fucking thing. What are you talking about? And you're a Mortal yeah, Kombat yeah. ripoff. Go back to your fucking card. Yeah, your, yeah. your comic books yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I absolutely destroyed the man. This is all over him. <laughs> yeah, that's the best interview in Perry Saturn's career by far. Oh yeah, up until like the uh, moppy run. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> then we've got a uh, Perry Saturn with Kidman against Gentleman Chris Adams. Uh, I think it's a cool, real like, oh, you piece of shit. Where smarmy Kidman at the start gets on the microphone and says, Ki- uh, "says Chris Adams can choose whether he's going to lose by a Death Valley driver or the rings of Saturn." Chris Adams is appalled by this and Kidman goes too late it's going to be the Death Valley driver and you know what we'll set it up with a cryonic kick and I love his use of the word we here as if he was going to do a fucking thing about it oh, Kid- like Kidman should have been a manager <laughs> this is yeah, great this like, is great yeah. I really like this. this this match might have been the highlight of the show for me um, in that to that extent and because of uh, an exchange and commentary that takes place in a few minutes here um, so at the start, the, the, the camera pans up to the ramp where Van Hammer is being hauled out off camera. Um, and yeah, as you were saying earlier in the program, Lee, apparently the flock had turned him on a nitro. He had lost a loser leaves the flock match uh, against Perry Saturn. So that's why he um, he is saying that. Um, there's an exchange here on commentary that is my, my highlight of commentary for the last few weeks between Brain and Tony, where um, Tony is talking about like young people being spoiled and stuff. Um, and Brain goes, I wasn't spoiled, I was pampered. And Tony says, tampered? And Brain says, what? <laughs> Tony says, I thought you said tampered. He goes, no, no, it was just that one time. And Tony goes, stop it. <laughs> I lost it for that as well. <laughs> <laughs> just the, just the, like he knew exactly where Brain was going. He's like, I'm not indulging this for a second. And in a very like gorilla monsoon sort yeah, of, cut him off. Like, just, yeah, the nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> As excellent, excellent stuff. Then we have the scariest spot of the entire night where Chris Adams hit an enziguri of all things and Saturn jumps onto his own head. <laughs> I think he was trying to, he was, he was trying to end it all. I mean, why did he what? try and take a what? flip bump off an enziguri? What the fuck was this like? He spiked himself on an enziguri bump like against Chris Adams like it's not like he was going for the WCW world title he's like oh I need to make this shit look good you know like obviously he was trying to do the flip bump yeah but, uh, but he just fucking scorpioned himself onto the floor like oh, I shrieked like we've we've all seen RVD take a DDT or an RKO and he does yeah. like the handstand bump yeah well this was like doing that except without the hand yeah, his hands were down by his side. He, he literally went face first, like top of the head, into the fucking yeah. mat. And yeah. for a minute, I was worried we were going to get another fucking Bagwell. 
Oh my god, it was so and he like he was selling the head and neck very realistically mm-hmm. for the rest of the match, which made me not very happy. Um, we should say it was after this point that a chair was brought into the match. Yes, uh, Adams <laughs> misses a splash, uh, and Saturn takes control of the match. He hits an, an amazing step up drop kick into the corner off said chair. It looks gets, amazing, yeah, look great. Got such air on it, and then a not so amazing step up splash to try and take Adams out of the ring. There was really a bit of miscommunication, and I seem to remember that Saturn did this kind of spill splash to the outside of the ring thing before, and it also looked shit. So maybe take it out of the repertoire, mate. I think he was trying to do like you know the cactus clothesline kind of thing. Yeah. Um, That's what it seemed like. Yeah, and it just didn't go well. Uh, They go back into the ring and eventually uh, Saturn hits a standing sidekick and the Death Valley driver. But it's funny, the commentators had forgotten that Kidman said Death Valley driver at the start Mm -hmm. and thought he must have said Rings of Saturn because like, that's not the Rings of Saturn. (laughs) It's the Death Valley driver. Oh, okay. Well, today had to point out to Tony that it was a Death Valley driver. Yeah. Like he wasn't sure what to move. I think he calls it a fireman's uh, carry slam or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and today is like no, no, it's a definitely driver, <laughs> and this is why Mike Tanay is helpful. In um, these situations. I, I did love Kidman after the match. Literally, just walks up to the camera in the corner and goes, uh, "Snowman, that's how it's done," and walks away. <laughs> yeah, really good, really good stuff. This is like Kidman's best performance on, so on far, Thunder, yeah. and he hasn't even wrestled. Uh, next, we have Chris Benoit versus Rage, and like honestly, well, that, that's a sentence you could read at any time, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. Oof. Um, <laughs> truly, Lee, when when Rage when Robbie Rage came out here, I like the way you put in Robbie. <laughs> yeah, I thought I had either passed out, started hallucinating, or somebody had switched out the tapes on me and doctored it. I I could not believe that the other half of High Voltage was also getting a match on Thunder. Could not believe it. And then, as if it wasn't already unbelievable enough, the match starts and he gets the heat on Benoit. Yep. What the fuck? Yep. Um, uh, Do you know what? I actually do like the little trope of, you know, people that are facing each other at the pay-per-view taking on a tag team in singles matches. So, you know, one guy... Yeah, but not this tag team. (laughs) Well, I mean, obviously I'd prefer it was, like, a good couple of wrestlers but you know this is WCW we couldn't have good wrestlers face good wrestlers <laughs> um, yeah I, I mean the match starts and it's just it's like why <laughs> why is this even a match it's just oh. thankfully the heat anyway only lasts about a minute then Benoit just beats the shite out of him he, li- he literally chops him to death like yeah. oh, um, Hit- chops him a lot Hits the head, but uh, Rage gets up, attempts a running power slam, it's reversed, cross face, tap out. Thankfully, mm-hmm. it's over. Um, uh, Heenan put over uh, Rage and Chaos at, like after the match. He was like, oh, you know, they yeah. showed a lot here tonight. I mean, they didn't, but good for Heenan for trying. Yeah. Uh, next, we have Bischoff out. And I went through uh, a two step. Uh, like Vietnam style flashback mm-hmm. as he was coming out here because I was like God he's looking a bit unshaven lately what does unshaven Eric Bischoff remind me of what was he doing around this time and then I see a sign in the crowd about McMahon fears Bischoff and I was like oh no I, I, lost, I, I had the same thing I was like oh Bischoff's music and he comes out and I'm looking at him going that's not NWO Bischoff and I'm kind of looking yeah. at him going and then I went slamboree and I went oh my f-. I, I actually fucking I, I shrieked on the couch I was like this is three challenges bits and I lost it yeah so 
for those of you who don't know, Eric Bischoff lost his mind around now because two weeks before this show, just over two weeks before, the Nitro of two weeks previous Mm -hmm. was the infamous DX invasion of Nitro. That was April 27th, 1998. The new DX post-WrestleMania 14 of... um, Triple H, Xbox. Triple H, the Xbox and the Outlaws. uh, Took their... What people still describe as a tank, but was uh, essentially like a glorified golf cart. um, To try and, quote-unquote, invade Nitro. And they they were outside having a good time with the fans and then tried to drive in the, the service entrance to the arena and were refused entry and the like. And, you know, like, it's a silly thing, much like a lot of the DX stuff was, but it did get a lot of play and people... At the time, thought it was cool. Um, and it's the one time I think something like this actually ever worked. Oh, yeah. Like, the repeated attempts after this, and they all just came off flat. But this was the one time yeah. where, because it was the original, it yeah. absolutely worked. And it felt, you know, organic and yeah. like a hot thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and it, it, the legacy of it is the, the cross-promotional challenging has become a a trope over the years, particularly usually the number two challenging the number one, because in the era of WWE supremacy, they tend not to even acknowledge the existence of competition. Um, You know, at least until recent years anyway. Um, Now there's some nods and winks happening here and there. But anyway, um, yeah, so Bischoff lost his mind because it's an underhanded tactic that he hadn't thought of first, essentially. So he cuts this. Uh, I, b- I believe it was the Nitro just gone. Where he. Been, yeah. yeah, yeah. Where he does a video package where he's like shadow boxing, foxy boxing in black and white. And, and just calling out Vince McMahon to a fight and saying, you know, I've got a pay per view coming up, Slamboree 1998. It's in Connecticut. It's in Connecticut. And just challenging Vince McMahon to show up and fight him. And it's just like, even so, like I said, you know, the first time it was done with the DX Invasion, it was pretty cool. It was innovative. It was the first time anyone had done it. Even within one week, the prospect of the same kind of thing was already immediately uncool. Because I could be wrongly, but I remember even people saying around the late 90s, early 2000s that this was some weak shit. Oh, like it was a total fucking, everyone knew you wasn't going to show up. Yeah, I I don't think people in the crowd, by and large, were buying this either. But it was um, the mere fact that Vince McMahon is mentioned on yeah. on Nitro on Thunder. <laughs> the the reference that mentioned that popped me even more was the mention of Jerry McDivitt, yeah. WWE's infamous bulldog of a lawyer, and Bischoff um, going, "Hi, Jerry." <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Bischoff reading out essentially a cease and desist letter from Jerry McDivitt, which he sent one or two of in his time, let me tell you. Um, and just saying that, look, even though I don't think you're going to show up, the invite's still there. I'll see you Sunday. And I'm uh, just like... I, I love that after after Bischoff read out this cease and desist, I believe he was sent another one that basically said, yeah. because you went on air and said he wasn't showing up, that people now think he's definitely going to show up. Yeah, yeah. So they sued for that as well. <laughs> <laughs> like I think, like we could spend hours going over the lawsuits back and forward. Yeah, and like a lot of them are frivolous. Like how, like, like this stuff went on after WCW closed. 
Oh, they yeah, they were constantly trying to sue each other over these years, and just this was just a pathetic angle, and it was also reminiscent of the only time it was even considerably less cooler. Um, the time where in TNA where the Voodoo Kin Mafia called out Triple H and Shawn Michaels Paul Paul Levesque and Michael Paul Levesque Ma- <laughs> Michael Shawn Hickenbottom we'll see you at the Alamo <laughs> uh, I doubt Billy Gunn remembers that at all oh my god everybody else does I I, I will never fucking forget it as long as I live well, who, who were the TNA wrestlers that showed up at the soundstage as well when WWE were doing an ad or something was it Abyss uh, Abyss SoCal Val and someone else basically went with balloons and party stuff fuck's sake yeah just like and, you know, and, and they, could... they showed that on Impact for weeks as well if I remember right at least, like, look, you can buy that, especially around now, WCW were a legit competition. Uh, you know, they were the number one or number two, depending on which way you were looking. Um, but TNA was just never, like, why are you doing Actually, that? I know what it was. I remember they were filming an ad for the Royal Rumble. Ah. And it was in the sound stage next to or a couple of places over from where they filmed Impact. Ah, okay. Um, we We move on to the outsiders versus the public enemy hey, 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 hey. you skipped over something oh sorry your favourite thing I, I, I believe you're a guy oh movies for guys who like movies <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what was the movie this week it was very on brand especially with, with Bischoff having just been in the ring it was Kickboxer 2 <laughs> that's right yes because <laughs> I was like I, I remember when this came up uh, when they were saying this, I was like, oh, maybe the movie will be good enough at least for people to stick it out because this has been a poor episode of Thunder so far. And then they say it's Kickboxer 2 and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> that was Van Damme as well, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, let me let me have a look here. <laughs> I can't believe you skipped over, you know, considering you're a guy that I know, that and like, as soon as you said it, I was like, why didn't I write that down? Because I remember it coming up. Maybe it's just this this episode that just beat me into the ground already at this point. And I was like, I don't want to type a single word more than I absolutely have to. But I mean, I don't want to say anything, but you were drinking. Yes, I was. <laughs> yes, I was. Who thought it took 16 weeks to break you, but here we are. Okay, so Kickboxer 2, also known as Kickboxer 2, The Road Back. Um, Sounds... A kickboxing instructor unwillingly returns to the world of competition and the stakes go sky high when he runs into the men that killed his brothers. Uh, 4.5 out of 10 on IMDb. It's not bad. Um, Starring, it doesn't seem like uh, Van Damme is in this one. Starring Sasha Mitchell, Peter Boyle, Dennis Chan... And I don't recognise Oh Brian Austin Green of nine oh two one oh fame. Jesus so I'm sure I'm sure Christ. I'm sure Big Davy Meltzer was watching that one. No, I think he only like I know it's the UK people that only like stuff with Matt LeBlanc. Yeah, yeah. They love Matt LeBlanc. No, he was a big he used to like talk a lot about nine oh two one oh on Observer Live. Okay, did he? Alright. It was good stuff. <laughs> Fucking Meltzer. Um Yeah, I don't recognise anybody else on this. I, I suspect this was probably not a good one. Uh, the uh, John Claude Van Damme does have a writing credit on it. Fuck! It was written by David S. Goyer. Who's that? 
David S. Goyer is a man who is still in, in, incredibly gainfully employed, and it's mainly because he has a co-writing credit on the three uh, the three Chris Nolan Batman movies. Oh, okay, Jesus. Uh, but has like, and he used to write some some decent stuff as well. Like he was a writer on the Blade movies as well. Um, but you know, since then, a little bit patchier because he also has a lot of the blame for the likes of the the Godzilla remake. The uh, Man of Steel. Um, These are awful movies, by the way. <laughs> uh, the Krypton TV series, which I never saw. The upcoming Terminator Dark Fate. He has a, he apparently is writing the remake of Hellraiser, the Clive Barker movie. Okay. He has also apparently got a writing credit on the Sandman TV show, the, the adaption of the Neil Gaiman comic, which immediately makes me less hype for that. <laughs> Uh, and he's also for any kids of the 80s I apologise for ruining your childhoods he is writing a screenplay for the new Masters of the Universe movie bastard Um, so enjoy that anyway away from David Esquire let's talk we we can't really hold off any longer on talking about the outsiders versus the public enemy Uh, Nash is out alone shock of shocks uh, he re- the commentators reiterate that the NWO Hollywood stance is that Scott Hall is way too dangerous for TV in spite of n- not doing any like they have this habit in WCW of saying oh this guy is way too dangerous he's way too crazy and they don't really do anything crazy like you know the, the previous thing was to say how like you know Macho Madness Macho was the craziest guy going in WCW and apart from just vaguely seeming like an insane man he didn't really do a lot of crazy things no, like, um, he gave off the illusion of crazy, but he didn't actually do anything that was beyond what most wrestlers do. Where, yeah. Whereas, like you say, with Hall, it's just like, well, he's not on TV, so he's too dangerous for TV. Why? Yeah, he's just not on TV. They're still inexplicably tag champions. Uh, and they say that, Nash says that they can't stop Hall from appearing on the pay-per-view. And, you know, just not to change the subject, but doesn't he look incredibly sexy tonight? <laughs> and it says, I look like Brad Pitt, but with more meat. <laughs> And then everyone laughs. He goes, on my bones, I mean, of course. Oh, God, I love Kevin Ash so much. <laughs> he's really like, he's proper entered. Oh, he's full on goof. I don't give a yeah, shit mode. Full on goof mode um, at this point. And I think we can categorically, as wrestling historians now, Lee, say that the start of Thunder was the exact moment where Nash stopped caring and thus became much better. Oh, yeah. He he literally just became picking up a paycheck, but not in a Bret Hart way. Yeah, yeah, he just yeah. decided, I'm going to have as much fun as I can and piss off as many people as I can. Yeah, M- much better. And I should clarify, not as a wrestler. He's still dog shit. But... <laughs> As a personality who I want to have on my TV, a hundred times better. Oh God, if if Kevin Nash was on two hours every week on Thunder, it would have been an infinitely better show. Yeah, he says uh, he's bringing out his confidant for tonight uh, and his ringer is Dusty Rhodes. Uh, Public Enemy come out and my God, these two look like shit. (laughs) You know, drugs. That's all I can say. Man, both of them are dead, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, these two had a um, hard, hard life, and they didn't yeah, help we, themselves we, at all. We talked about Johnny Grunge being uh, dead before, mm. but I don't think I think this is the first time we've mentioned Flyboy Rocco Rock. Um, and I like I always remember Johnny Grunge is dead because of that thing we brought up before, and that weird lawyer saying that people shouldn't emulate the Grunge mm-hmm. on the Nancy Grace show. Um, but yeah, they just Jesus God, it's like again because I watched the the ECW thing. Um, like wow was this a case of like big fish small pond this act oh yeah 100% like 
they were over as hell in ECW. They were they were a huge deal. And I'm not saying that they were like these banging out four star tag matches or anything like that. But the act was was hot as fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, like you can't blame anyone the same. And I'm sure, look, Paul Heyman and lots of others probably do blame a lot of people for going taking their money. Uh, big money contracts elsewhere because ECW was getting bled dry and well actually I, I think and it's something I hadn't picked up on as much um, in previous watchings of the documentary when I was a kid uh, but watching it now I'm like it, it really seems like Paul Heyman personally didn't begrudge anyone really of taking the money and going somewhere else the thing he begrudged more than anything else is that no matter what Eric Bischoff refused to give any credit to ECW for any concept or wrestler that he just outright stole from them. I can't believe he never picked up on that. You I mean he outrightly says it constantly? Yeah, yeah. He's like, you know, I, Vince at least paid us and you know said, you know, this is yeah. ECW and this is what they do. Whereas Bischoff would just take them and just go, this guy was a champion in some yeah. other shitty place, and that was yeah. it. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, he does outright say it, and I think, like, if I were to guess, I'd say when I was a teenager, I was more bowled over by the, in the middle of that segment, he's just giving this endless list of dudes yeah. who were in ECW before I'd even heard of it, and were in WCW, and some of them had already been in WCW and washed up and gone back yeah. by the time I was watching like, it. Like Raven, Saturn, fucking, uh, who else has been on this show? Public, Public Enemy, Enemy, Dean Malenko, Malenko Eddie Guerrero, Eddie, Chris Ben Benoit, yeah. Jericho, Guerrera, Jericho, Mysterio. <laughs> Conan yeah yeah Mike Awesome like all these guys were in ECW and got lifted from ECW yeah and like yeah. You, they were gonna bring they were gonna bring in Sabu oh they brought in Sabu for a run on they Nitro in, um, yeah, Sandman uh, came in Sandman um, the, the only time I remember the Sandman on Nitro was when he was doing the thing where he was holding the signs in the crowd yeah. um, like he says it on the documentary it's blatant and he's yeah. like we sued yeah. we sued a bunch of times <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great line, yeah. We've seen him a bunch of times over it. Um, but yeah, it was that, like, because even Vince is talking about how, like, and probably, you know, like, it's it's Vince, so Vince is obviously lying, but, uh, <laughs> like, at least in the... Co- at least in the context of the documentary, Vince is like, oh, yeah, like, we took a bunch of their dues and it must have really sucked for them. But we paid But, them. like, yeah. you know, we thought they were awesome, you know? And we thought, you know, we thought, like, even if he didn't actually give ECW credit at the time, at least he was nice enough to lie about it in the documentary and, and put over Paul like that. Uh, especially when you consider like the time the documentary would have been filmed would be right as that relationship was prickly at best. Yeah, like, this is the thing with Vince. He's never watched ECW. If he did, he watched yeah. it once or twice. And then it's just like, he likes Paul Heyman. He he was trying to hire Paul yeah. Heyman since like the early 90s. Yeah. It's very likely he appreciated Paul's mind for the mm-hmm. business and Jim Ross was the one who was seeing tapes of dudes and going crazy because he, in the mid to late 90s, was head of talent oh, relations. Him and Pritchard were the ones watching tape. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, this was not the finest outing for the public enemy who were just this like over-as-hell act that came out you know, long before the Dudleys were smashing people mm-hmm. through tables um, and coming out in, in coloury gear. This was the public enemy's bit. They would come out, everybody would be waving their hands in the air. They would do moonsaults, you know, big lad moonsaults, one of the best spots in wrestling. And they'd put people through tables and it was a good time. Over as hell. Um, there's the infamous footage of them having a block party in the ring in the ECW Great arena and the ring collapsing. Yeah. Uh, it's a great visual. 
But uh, here, yeah, not the best showing for them. 90% of this match, Nash is just slapping Rocco around. Yeah. And Rocco is like sucking air about 30 seconds into this. Um, they hit a a double suplex in a brief moment of, of shine against Nash, which I think Brain describes as a duplex, which popped me. Yep. <laughs> uh, Nash very swiftly regains control. He's like, that suplex was enough. Thank you very much. Uh, Dusty takes out Johnny Grunge on the outside. Nash hits the powerbomb. Dusty comes in and drops the elbow. What an easy night at the office for young Dusty Rhodes here. Um, they get the win. And then we move finally on to our main event of the evening. Randy Savage versus Sting. And hey, luckily, it's Sting getting jumped as he enters the ring without taking off his jacket. How unusual and not every fucking match he's in. I, I saw this and I just went, oh, Dave's going to have something to say about this. <laughs> I can't. I can't fucking believe it. Like you need to just take off the it, jacket in the oil. Like that's all he has yeah, to do. Just to st- just don't wear the jacket. Just don't wear the jacket or take it off on the ramp. Yeah, um, do something like that. The the fact that it keeps happening to Sting and that Savage just keeps doing it to fucking anybody he wrestles, <laughs> like for fuck's sake, like is a real dumb babyface trope. Yeah. One thing I have to say, Macho Man, like the the Wolfpack has only what only just been established, hasn't it? Yeah, well, we're get, yeah. we're guessing so in the last two weeks. Uh, Savage's gear, the red and black attire, yeah. fucking, it's so good. This is a guy. There's a man that just understood. Who, like, you understood what being a wrestler was. He spent yeah. money on his it, gear. Yeah, so it's it's 1998. His body is already like is obviously starting to deteriorate. Mm-hmm. Let him down. He can't do it like he used to do. However, as you say. There are few in the history of the sport that have been able to carry themselves more consistently like an absolute star mm. than Randy Savage. Like you said, two weeks since the formal foundation of this group and he's got this incredible gear. And, he, and if you actually watch the clip at the start of the show, it's different to the gear he had on Nitro. Yeah. But this was, it's not surprising because this was a guy who in the in the forced retirement we spoke of earlier when he was just doing commentary on Raw, this was a guy coming out in the most expensive and outrageous mm-hmm. gear and it seemed like he was never in the same gear twice just on commentary. Yeah. Now, did, you know, like, that, few, like you say, few others have understood what being a wrestler is the way Randy Savage did. Yeah, an absolute, like, there will never be another like him. Um, Sting gains the upper hand on the outside after it spills out. Um, it's just a bit of a walk and brawl for a minute he hits a stinger splash onto the rails which looks cool goes for another in the ring uh, misses but connects with a back elbow Savage low blows him chucks him out and here comes Brett DQ I was like oh fuck fucking Brett Hart I thought we were actually going to get away without a DQ on this show but here we are Brett Hart ruining everyone's fun again have we actually had a main event that's had a finish uh, I'm not sure and I would not be surprised if the answer to that was no um, I'd have to go back through all my notes and I don't want to do that um, <laughs> see the way I put that question to you instead of you putting that yeah, question to yeah, me yeah you weren't going to go fucking continuity Malone has checked out for the night here he's not going to find out himself um, so yeah DQ Savage goes to drop the elbow on Brett uh, Giant catches him out of the air in a bear hug like uh, Giant stands between him and Brett and he, Savage he still goes to jump anyway. like, yeah. what did you think was going to happen um, well, I mean, Cash we, we were saying hook. he is crazy, so. Yeah, this is true. Uh, Nash wallops Giant with a chair, then Sting wallops him with one. Uh, Giant assures Sting, he gets on the mic, and assures Sting that on Sunday they will be partners, but when they win the belt, Sting will have to make the call to join NWO Hollywood. Hands him a shirt, 
Sting looks at the shirt, doesn't throw it back at him immediately, is thinking about it. Luger comes out in the world's tightest t-shirt to talk sense into the stinger. We go off the air. Weirdly, instead of like, we gotta go, we're out of time, they actually have time to go to the announce table and explain Sting's dilemma as they go off the air and how it'd be wise for him not to make a decision now and throw the t-shirt back and not show his cards just yet. And I I was filled... I I was filled, Lee... With the fury of a thousand suns at this idea. Because why? Why in good fuck would the man who has spent two years nearly (laughs) stalking Hogan and the NWO just to join them? For fuck sake. Well, I mean, you're forgetting that the giant has already been kicked out of the NWO. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. The giant, the, yeah. So, yeah, the, you start with that. The giant has rejoined the NWO after being kicked out of it. Yeah. Uh, then you go with specifically whatever about him cozying up to the wolf pack, as we will later see. But the idea of Sting, specifically, like not just the NWO, but specifically Hogan. He was stalking him for over a year before he ever wrestled the man. The man who, once he finally beat him, screwed him again. And he's just gonna, oh yeah, I'll think about it. Fuck off. Like, honestly, that is like the worst cliffhanger. Everyone is NWO. Like, that that's the yeah. thing. Everyone is NWO. If you're not in the NWO, you don't matter at this point. Yeah. The teaser should have been like the, like, you know, the announcers going, well, we know he absolutely won't join the NWO, but we also know he's too good a guy to abandon his partner. So what's Sting gonna do mm-hmm. on Sunday? And I'm, you could just leave it at that. I mean, it doesn't have to be Willie join the NWO. I mean, it's not like partners haven't torn on Sting for the last fucking ten years. Like Rick, Rick, yeah, yeah, Rick yeah. Flair made a career out of it. Yeah, just ah, oh, fu- um, I was so annoyed about this because it's just like it, it's not just. It'd be one thing if this was ignoring continuity from years ago, like you know, forgetting something that happened ages ago. But this is stuff that is literally still happening, and they're just ignoring it to suit themselves mm-hmm. and have a cl- cliffhanger for a pay per view that people are barely interested in. Um, I did like that as the show is clo- closing. Heenan is basically just saying, "Look, everyone is playing mind games. Everyone is playing with the other person and trying to get yeah. one up." But then, then you go and right. Then the NWO are the biggest idiots I've ever seen in my life. Because why would they, in in all good reason, think that Sting of all people would join? You know, ah, oh, no, I, oh, I need to go out and pace in the yard after this. <laughs> Do you know what you are? You're that uh, Clint Eastwood gif. Yeah, that, that, uh, that's what you are right now. Ah. Uh, uh, I just need to move on I really just <laughs> I could be here for another hour talking hey, about at this at least we have the paper you come up <laughs> yeah I know yeah at least I won't be left in that cliffhanger for too long eh uh, Lee I liked uh, turning the tables on you last month so unless you've got it up in front of you I'm going to play the pay-per-view game with you uh, yeah go for it I don't have it in front of me I actually forgot all about <laughs> deadly okay right uh, and I'll switch back we'll do two on two okay. off I think going forward so this is your second one okay. um we have got nine matches on Slamboree 98. Jesus. Okay. Uh, right. Start at the top. We have... Actually, what is the top match? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Who's the fucking champion? Hogan's the champion. He doesn't have a match. Uh-huh. Fuck. 
Okay. Uh, Savage Heart. Savage Bret Hart, yes. The Outsider Sting and Giant. Yes. Uh, Benoit Finley. Um, yeah. Goldberg Gauntlet. Uh, yes. Raven DDP. Yes. Saturn Glacier. Nope. Oh, fuck. Uh, is this the Battle Royal for the Cruiserweight title match? Uh, it's not Battle Royal. There is a Cruiserweight title match, though. Fuck. Uh, Jericho Psychosis? Nope. Uh, who? Oh, sorry. No. It, sorry. There is a Battle Royal that for leads a number one contender the, match. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry, my apologies. I had a feeling... I saw a Cruiserweight title and didn't look elsewhere. On the I had, credits, a, had so yeah. a feeling that that was the, what the, this show is, yeah. Um, so yeah. it's Jericho Malenko. Yeah. Um, so you've got now one last match because the uh, you've guessed the Battle Royal and you've guessed the... Uh, yeah. One last match. One last match. It's a singles match and it's one that, unless it was announced on Nitro, was not ever referenced on this program this week anyway uh, La Parca because they love La Parca no it was um, our good friend Lex Luger versus Brian Adams why who knows but we're going to find out no I'm not watching that <laughs> yeah you're damn right Jar. our next episode is Slamboree 98 Lee before we go off the air um Give me your winners and losers from episode 16 of Thunder. Uh, winner. Winner is Kevin Ash because the man is so fucking cool. Um, yeah. The loser, after your rant, it has to be Sting. Yeah. I, I can't argue. Uh, <laughs> like, like there, there can be no other loser. Yeah. Um, I would I would add to that that I think um, I really liked Raven on this show. The, the kind of layers and stuff he's adding in. I would add him to the winners and I might add... Perry Saturn to the winners for his amazing burial of the entire career of one glacier. Uh, and in terms of losers, the collective unit of high voltage, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. You can't, can't argue with that. Yeah. Anyway, look, that's another episode of Days of Thunder in the books. Follow us, please, on Twitter at WCW Thunder Pod. Subscribe to us, either our own dedicated feed or the pro wrestling only podcast feed to get loads more shows on whatever podcast uh, platform you use we should be available uh, at WCW Thunder Pod on Twitter is the best place as I said to keep up with us as we tweet out random shite in between episodes individually I'm at the date Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone mm-hmm. underscore 713 uh, uh, we will see you in two weeks I was, I was, for I was just going to say we should mention that uh, we also now both of us are part of the Voice of Wrestling Discord channel so we will be posting the new shows as they come up in there. Yes, absolutely. Um, we are we pretty much anywhere good wrestling podcasts and us pop up. You can expect to find mm-hmm. us. Um, and yeah, follow us both on the Untapped app for our Thunder beers. Uh, the review of both the beer I had tonight and the beer I had watching the show will be live on there by the time this episode is up. <laughs> We shall see you in two weeks for Slamboree 1998. And until then, enjoy your brief sojourn upon Thunder Road. We'll see you soon. I can see through the scars inside you. I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart.
I can see through the sky. 